Welcome to Living with Louis, a two-part podcast about Louis body dementia, produced by the Louis Body Society and ITN Business, with generous support from the National Lottery Community Fund. Hello, I'm Ashley Baston, and I'm the founder and chair of the trustees of the Louis Body Society, which is the only organization in the UK dedicated solely to Louis Body Dementia. I'm here with some very special people um, who are going to talk about their experiences with Louis Body, Vicky Hands, Jackie Cannon, and Professor John Paul Taylor. Uh, Vicky, hello. Um, tell us about your experience. Hello. My husband was diagnosed with Louis Body Dementia in 2018, and he's been in a nursing home since the tail end of 2019. He was in hospital between the end of 2018 and his transfer to the nursing home in 2019. But his symptoms started way before that, probably two or three years. His symptoms were obvious and getting worse. And he's still very much with us, but he can no longer really communicate. And he's now chair bound. What was the road like to diagnosis? very bumpy. He, a a very intelligent man, very fit and very intelligent. And I think for years before it became obvious he was hiding his symptoms, but gradually they obviously overtook him. And um, towards the end, his behaviour was very erratic and really quite scary at times, both for him and for me. And I think that's often the way it goes. He had nonstop hallucinations, um, sometimes terribly distressful, frightening hallucinations, um, and that made it so much worse. Who eventually made the diagnosis? It took about two years before he would agree to see the GP, and he had the sort of standard tests in the surgery, and the GP thought it was Alzheimer's. We both realised it wasn't Alzheimer's because of the sleep disturbance and the hallucinations. He was to be referred, but he refused to do anything else about it. And we carried on for a few more months before he became dangerously unwell. And and what happened at that point? He started to see me as the enemy and an imposter, which isn't unusual with Louis Body. And so we had many situations where he threw me out of the house and um, obviously felt very threatened by me. And then there was a final horrifying episode where He actually was obviously so afraid of me that I was an imposter that he um, actually had a knife and tried to um, stab me. And after that, he was sent to hospital. And that was the start of, um, of his care. What would have made your life easier as a carer? Um, well, my situation, I'm sure it's not unusual, but... The problem I had is that there wasn't enough information. We didn't know enough about the disease. But to be fair, my husband was very, very reluctant to even admit that there was anything wrong. So for that couple of years or more, when I was a carer, we didn't have any support. But then, frankly, I didn't ask for it either because my husband was in denial and that's what makes it difficult. I was lucky enough that when Peter became really unwell, he very quickly from a general hospital ended up in a hospital geared to looking after people with his sort of 
problem. And so then I think I was very well. My concerns were catered for and I felt that I had lots of support. But that's, I think it's the luck of the draw and I was very lucky in that respect. Vicky, you have been absolutely marvellous as an ambassador for the Louis Body Society. And last year you organised wrapping the... Well, I'm going to let you you talk about a scarf for Louis. One of the things that has done me so much good during this period is trying to help the Louis Body Society to raise awareness. It became pretty obvious early on that for so many people... Alzheimer's is dementia, dementia is Alzheimer's, and so few people know of any other type of dementia, of which there are many. Lewy body is not a a rare disease at all, but unfortunately, uh, it's still so little known. And we've been trying at the Lewy Body Society to raise awareness. Last year, I asked people to knit scarves, and the idea was to sew them together and wrap them around a really interesting building in the centre of London. We ended up encircling the Albert Hall six times with a scarf a mile long. We had more scarves than that, actually, but I gave up sewing them together after a mile. And it's all about raising awareness for Body. And I think it was really quite successful. In October, we're going to take it to Belfast. And this time we're going to wrap the waterfront hall. Not as many times, but... but It uh, won't be as many times, (laughs) but (laughs) hopefully it'll be just as successful. It was quite extraordinary, and you can see footage of that on um, the Louis Body website. I'm going to bring in Jackie right now. Jackie Cannon is the CEO of the Louis Body Society and my best friend in the world. Uh, And I would... Jackie, tell us how you got involved. Yes, so I'm Jackie Cannon, um, CEO of the Louis Body Society um, and a former carer for my dad who had Louis Body dementia. My dad was diagnosed immediately, I have to say, by um, his GP. That's very unusual. It was really very unusual, uh, but a very knowledgeable GP who immediately did the test and said, this is Louis Body dementia, um, and I'm going to refer you to a consultant. And, and what were the challenges that, that you found then? The challenges came from his hallucinations, but hallucinations that didn't bother him. He didn't become aggressive. And I think part of the thing was that he was partially sighted. So for him, the hallucinations were actually quite entertaining because he could see something. And majority of his hallucinations were men in the garden cutting the trees down. And I actually at one point believed that the neighbour at the back of the house was cutting the trees <laughs> down. <laughs> and he would say, you know, you don't believe me that I can see these things, you know. And I said, yes, I do believe that you can, you can see them because they were so real, real mm. to him. And he would also say, a bit like Robin Williams... I need you to reboot my brain because he was aware of what was happening. Mm. And I think that's one of the problems with the Louis body, though, isn't it? Certainly in the early stages, the sufferer is very well aware of what's going on and and the memory part of it is affected much later. So my husband, when the hallucinations weren't threatening, um, he would say, can you see six people sitting around the table? And, of course there wasn't anybody sitting around the table and he would say it's an hallucination isn't it so yeah it's amazing how vivid they are but how much understanding in the early stages 
the sufferer often has, um, that they are hallucinations. Jackie, at what point did you and your mother have to make the decision to put your father into into a home? It got to crisis point where she was looking after him during the day, I was looking after him at night after finishing work, and then he got immobile, so social services took it out of our hands. And he was placed in a really good care home. But what was amazing was that one week after going in the care home, we went to visit and he came walking down the corridor towards us. So his mobility really improved. Um, And the care home staff were really excellent. And I think that's what we have to remember that, you know, there are some bad examples of care homes, but there are also really some good examples um, of care homes. Yeah, my, my husband's nursing home, the staff are fantastic. Yeah, yeah I can't praise them enough. It's, it's like getting a, a, a diagnosis. It's, it's where you are, and, and unfortunately it, it, it is a bit of a lottery. In 2007, after I'd started the charity, and your father had his diagnosis, and you asked me if you could help. And I said, yes, please. And I started giving you more and more work. <laughs> and Jackie became a trustee and then became treasurer. And uh, when I took a leave of absence, uh, <clears throat> she took over as CEO and did such a good job that my leave of absence became retirement. <laughs> the changes that we've seen since then, we have now become a member of the AMRC, which is the Association of Medical Research Charities, We've seen our profile raised. We now work in partnership with a lot of other charities, especially with Dementia UK, funding um, an Admiral nurse and supporting the Dementia UK um, helpline service. And we're very grateful um, to the Admiral Nurse Service for working with us because it helps us to give that medical support that we can't provide because, you know, we, like Vicky, are experts by experience but when people ask questions about medication, it's important that we're able to offer the services of the Admiral Nurse Helpline. An important thing about the Louis Body Society, which, which I would like the world to know, is that we never solicit donations. All of, all of our contributions are voluntary. If people send us money, we thank them effusively, but we don't ask for more money, but yet the contributions keep coming in. But also you're very, so open and warm and... Um, I, I, I didn't know about the Louis Body Society, of course, until my husband was diagnosed. But from that very first phone call, which will have been to you, Jackie, never looked back. So it's a tiny organisation, but my goodness, it punches above its weight a thousand times. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Vicky, for the, for the kind words. And I think because myself, Ashley and everybody else has all had a family member with a diagnosis. We know what it's like. You know, we know what it's like to support carers, um, to support family members. Um, And if somebody calls us, we want to give a response Mm. as quickly as possible. And you do. And we have here with us Professor John Paul Taylor from um, Newcastle University, who is also a member of the Scientific Advisory Committee of the Louis Body Society and just part of our Louis family. John Paul, would you tell please, how did you get involved with um, Louis Body and what's your background? Oh, well, I'm delighted to be here. 
Uh, I think that I'm probably as old as the Lewy Body Society in terms of my involvement with Lewy Body Disease. I encountered Lewy Body Disease as a junior doctor uh, when I was working on the wards and I remember seeing a, a gentleman who had this very unusual presentation, I thought, uh, which I'd never encountered before, it, where he was, uh, you know, zoning in and zoning out, sleeping lots during the daytime and then manifesting these visual hallucinations. Uh, which were, were deeply troubling to him. And I could see the distress that it was causing both him and his family. And I think that that started the cogs turning, thinking, well, what's going on here? Or, you know, me finding out more about Lewy body disease and then finding out who was leading in this area and getting involved in the research in that space. Uh, so I, I moved from London to, to Newcastle to, to work uh, with John O'Brien and Ian McKeith uh, and uh, I'm working as a doctor, running a Lewy body disease clinic, uh, as well as also doing research into the condition. Could you tell me more about your research that you're doing? Yeah, so I, I, I'm proud to say that uh, virtually all of my research is in Lewy body disease and Lewy body dementia, and I focus on lots of different uh, areas within that. Uh, one of the first projects that I looked at was very much about visual hallucinations, which I, we've been discussing uh, today and really trying to understand what are the, is the basis of these hallucinations, what causes them, is there ways that we better treat them and manage them. So that was one area. I've looked also at cognitive fluctuations. These are the variations that you're very familiar with, which come with Lewy body disease, where people will tune in and tune out. And that relates back to that very first person that I've seen with uh, suspected Lewy body disease. Now I'm quite interested in looking at the management of uh, Lewy body dementia, how to improve that. I've personally benefited a great deal from the Lewy body society in terms of, you know, the, the research grants which have been provided. And I think that's really helped things uh, in the UK, uh, but we still struggle with having the right amount of funding to really push things forward. And the community is still quite small within the UK or even internationally. So I think that's very important that we expand this and, and, and grow more more research at all levels, whether that's researchers is very lab based through the things which are perhaps more clinical or indeed things, very practical things. How would you sort of diagnose uh, DOB earlier on in the community, you know, upskilling GPs, how would you prevent falls, which is another big issue. So I think there's lots of areas that could be really expanded upon in terms of the, the research. So that's the, 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 you know, the cry that I have to try and get more investment into the space. But I think on the other side of the coin, I'm feeling pretty positive about the future. I think we've all seen a real sort of step change in activity. The profile is 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 not there yet, but it's certainly getting better and better. And you know the work of the Lubody Society has really helped that. I think you know we are looking at more and more trials in uh, Lubody dementia, which is absolutely fantastic. We're leading on a major trial in the UK called Cobalt, which is looking at a a drug add-on as a treatment for people who have got uh, DOB or Parkinson's disease dementia. There's other trials which are looking at treatments for hallucinations and indeed some potential very exciting drugs which might actually modify the disease course itself. How far in the future is that off, do you think, the drugs? Well, we're doing the trials at the moment. Okay. And I think that, you know, we are going to embark hopefully on this disease modifying trial very shortly. Uh, and I, there's a lot of other things in the pipeline. So I'm, I'm feeling very optimistic within the next five to 10 years, we're going to be 
making big shifts and big strides. We've already seen some of those strides being made in the Alzheimer's world with the new drugs which are coming there. And I think we can learn a lot from what happens there and also in Parkinson's disease. There's lots of medications which are being used there and being trialed. From the point of view of Peter's disease, he was in hospital for such a long time and they tried just about every drug available and uh, and everything available to people with Alzheimer's. And every time he reached the level where it actually might have done some good, it you know his his side effects were dreadful. Um, and people still say to me now they get all excited when there's news of a new drug for Alzheimer's. Oh, there's something new in the, this is isn't this good for your husband? And and it's it's, it's frustrating because so often the drugs that are coming up for Alzheimer's really don't do anything for people with Lewy body. One one of the um, research projects that the Lewy Body Society funded a few years ago was, was into uh, whether there is a hereditary element to the disease. And although, and please, JP, tell me if I've got this wrong, although it's not necessarily hereditary, people with a parent with Lewy body have a higher percentage of developing it. Is that, is that, is that the correct interpretation? Yeah, this, this, I mean, this is an area which is, like all things in Lewy body disease, under-researched. And what we need to, to really understand it is very, very large numbers of people or cohorts to do all of the genetic analysis to understand what degree is a hereditary component. And I think a lot of that work is, is happening now, which is fantastic. We are identifying that there's perhaps a number of different genes which increase your risk of developing the condition and might also alter the, the course of the disease, making the progression faster. So I think that's quite exciting because that does open up the possibility for potential targeted treatments. Uh, in, in that area. So I think the, you know, like all things, you know, there is a, there is perhaps a slight increased risk associated if you've had a sort of family history there, particularly if it's been very early onset, there may well be a genetic component to that. But I think one of the things we have to recognize is that age is probably the biggest risk factor for all uh, late life uh, dementias. Uh, and so I think that, you know, we, you know, whilst there is a genetic component, it's about also looking at and being aware that age is a factor and then perhaps looking at other preventative things that might be possible in terms of lifestyle. And again, that's an area which we really need to do a little bit more research on because uh, definitely from certainly other spheres of dementia, we know of things such as exercise, healthy diet, etc., can really make a big difference uh, in terms of reducing the risk of, of developing a dementia. They, they say that what's good for your heart is good for your brain, is it? Healthy heart, healthy brain. Right. Um, Could we just mention the estimated number of people with Lewy body dementia in this country? Because it's really quite high, isn't it? Perhaps somebody could yeah. comment on that. Yes, um, about statistics, about numbers of people with Lewy body. We've heard everything from 30,000 to 125,000. Yeah, I... I, I you know, this, it's, uh, I, I often get asked that question of how many people are living with uh, Lewy body dementia. Uh, and it is quite sort of hard to put your finger in the air because, again, I think as we've discuss, been discussing earlier, how people present can be very, very different. And so some people will present with much more Parkinson's kind of picture, which then developing a dementia. And then other people presenting with perhaps more like an Alzheimer's, I pitch with some memory difficulties, thinking problems, 
and then you get all the other symptoms of, of the OB. So if you begin to include all of those people right across the spectrum, you've probably got pretty high numbers. I mean, I wouldn't want to put a figure on it, but certainly you know, numbers of between 100 and 200,000 at least have been bandied around. And, and we know that the, the incidence is on the increase as the population ages. I think in a way, though, for, for people like me, that number is quite important because while Lewy body dementia is little known, and it's still little known, I think, in, in the UK, people assume when they hear the name that it's really rare um, and it really isn't rare. And so trying to get that across to people, it's quite useful to put a number on it. I know you can't be accurate, but just to put a number on it so that people realise, my goodness, it's not rare at all. Um, for me, I think that's you know quite an important point. Yes, we, we refer to it as the most common form of dementia you've never heard of. Recently, we've been looking at the amount of people who have died with dementia, what's in their brains, and what we find is that uh, uh, Lewy body dementia features probably happen in about a quarter of people uh, with dementia. And furthermore, there's been another study which has come out of uh, Scandinavia, the Biofinder study, which is really suggesting that people who attend memory clinics, they did all these clever, clever tests, but they were able to demonstrate uh, that a quarter of the memory clinic patients had evidence of Lewy body disease. So whilst I say, you know, maybe a couple of hundred thousand people here, that's just what we definitely can recognise and diagnose as, as, as Lewy body dementia. But I suspect that there's it's it's a lot larger out there. It's just that we're not recognising it uh, perhaps as well as we should be. So, John Paul, would you agree that evidence-based data is essential if we're to help to raise awareness? Absolutely. I think that with those statistics, we can be fairly confident it's probably the second most common cause of uh, late-life dementia. Jackie, what do you think would make the biggest difference for the for the Lewy body community? So most people have never heard of Lewy body dementia until they get a diagnosis or a family member gets a diagnosis. And, you know, one person's diagnosis journey is one person's diagnosis journey. Some people will be given information and signposted to organisations like the Lewy Body Society when they get a diagnosis. Others will just get a diagnosis with no post-diagnostic support. We receive calls on a daily basis, people um, asking for that support and we have information packs. We've produced a number of leaflets on specific topics like hallucinations, again, in partnership and collaboration with Dementia UK and co-produced with people living with a diagnosis of Lewy body dementia. So I think making sure that everybody has got the right information, the right support, and they know where to go to get that information is really, really essential. It's awareness, isn't it? It's, it, it, it's, a, it's awareness. And, you know, we, we hope that the Lewy Body Society is a banner which people living with a diagnosis and family members can stand under. And that banner has recently been unfurled even wider with um, the formation of Lewy Body International, which the Lewy Body Society has facilitated. There are now eight, nine... Louis body associations of some sort uh, around the world. When we started out, there were only two. And um, we've formed a, a very loose coalition 
a banner because together we can make a louder noise. And our first project is going to be the first ever World Louis Body Awareness Day on the 28th of January, 2024. The 28th of January is Dr. Louis's birthday. And Dr. Louis, as we all know, discovered the bodies after which the dementia is named. And so look out for that on the 28th of January. This has been really lovely chatting with all of you today about Louis Body, Jackie and, and John Paul and, and Vicky. Thank you so much for coming here today for this discussion. Yeah, just thank you for everybody um, that chooses to support the Louis Body Society. Um, supporting a charity is very, a very, very personal choice um, and we respect that choice. So choosing to support us is greatly appreciated. I just wanted to say, Big thanks for having me today. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so much for inviting me. It really means a lot. I feel I'm amongst friends and I really hope that um, that today's podcast can be of use to people um, who don't know very much about Louis Body and really need to know more. And um, thank you for the wonderful community that the Louis Body Society has, has invited me into. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Living with Louis. Thank you to our contributors and to the National Lottery Community Fund for its generous support.